Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Well Church Satterton's podcast. We pray that you enjoy this message and that it creates a well of hope in your life today. Good morning. Good morning. As many of you probably know that for the liturgical church, this is the first Sunday of Advent, the time leading up to the celebration of Jesus' first coming to earth as our Savior. And certainly we're not a, a liturgical church, but I think it's good for us at times to, to sync up with the greater body of, of church, to be in, in unity with that. There's a, a, a unity that the liturgical church has because they kind of preach from the same theme. So all around the world, those that are following that liturgical calendar are hearing a message based on the same thing. Not the same message, but a message based on the same themes. Um, I think it's also uh, that the current situation and season that we're in and experiencing the world events and the condition of our society and our culture makes this season that we are in religiously and spiritually even more important. I want to begin with a little bit of history about what the Advent season is and what it means in the church. The word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming, which translates to the Greek word parousia. Scholars believe that during the 4th and 5th centuries in Spain and Gaul, Advent was a season of preparation for the baptism of new Christians at the January Feast of Epiphany, the celebration of God's incarnation represented by the visit of the Magi to the baby Jesus in Matthew 2.1, his baptism in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, John 1.29, and his first miracle at Cana, John 2.1. During this season of preparation, Christians would spend 40 days in penance and prayer, um, fasting to prepare for the celebration. Originally, there was really no connection between Advent and Christmas. By the 6th century, however, Roman Christians had tied Advent to the coming of Christ, but the coming they had in mind was not Christ's first coming in the manger in Bethlehem, but his second coming in the clouds as the judge of the world. The Advent season was not explicitly linked to Christ's first coming at Christmas until the Middle Ages. When is Advent? The season of Advent lasts four Sundays leading up to Christmas each year. Advent will begin on a Sunday between November 27th and December 3rd. So this year it's today, December 3rd. And it will end on Sunday, December 24th. Advent in the dictionary is defined as the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. The first season in the Christian church year leading up to Christmas and including the four preceding Sundays. Or the coming or second coming of Christ. And we're in a time right now where, where much of the, the culture and our society and, and the world around us wants to really eliminate the true meaning of the Christmas season. And whether it's looking back to the, the birth of Jesus in a manger 2,000 years ago or looking forward to his coming again, not as our Savior, but rather as that righteous judge, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, much of the culture wants to take Christ out of Christmas. So where are we and where should we be as believers? As, as believers, not only 
are we fully re- not fully residents of this world, but rather we're residents of the kingdom. So where should we be? Should we push back against these efforts? The efforts of our culture to remove the true meaning of Christmas and focus on the material things of the world? Should we push back against that? Surely we should. But how we do it is vital to what the end result will be, what the outcome of our efforts will be. We need to recognize that if we engage the culture without a spirit of love and grace, if we fight at the level of physical things, exchanging evil for evil, we only empower what we hope to dispel. Ephesians 6.12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So we don't want to fight with people, but rather we want to fight with the spiritual forces that motivate, manipulate, and control them. In Matthew 5, 14, and 16, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a light, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So rather than railing against the darkness, we need to faithfully, proudly, and boldly shine the light of Christ. If we focus on the darkness in the world, we really only increase the power of the darkness. If instead we shine the light and the love of Christ, we can dispel the darkness. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God was demonstrated not only in that Jesus came as a baby, but that he died on the cross for us. Jesus coming into the world as a baby was for the ultimate purpose to demonstrate God's love through the cross. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And we need to not be afraid to hold fast to what the true meaning of God's love really is. Jesus didn't come to earth and die on the cross to make sin acceptable to God, as, as some people would believe and teach today. Sin has not been redeemed. Jesus redeemed us from sin so that we could be acceptable to God. You know, the world says we're hypocrites if we, if we don't in, embrace the choices of other people and the decisions that they make and the lifestyles that they live. Romans 12.9 says, Love must be free from a hypocrisy, detest what is evil and cling to what is good. So, so in truth, we would be hypocrites if we embraced the very things that Jesus died on the cross to redeem us from. So in this season, and as always, we need to love people, but we don't necessarily love or embrace their choices. In John 3.30, when, when John the Baptist was asked about how he felt about the fact that Jesus' ministry was surpassing his ministry, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And it's better and it's more effective if we confront the darkness in our culture, if we do it by displacement, 
if rather than fighting against the darkness, if we just fill it with light, the darkness has to go. He must increase, but I must decrease. Many people say that it's offensive to say Merry Christmas. They say that instead we should say Happy Holidays or Season's Greetings. That's more inclusive. You know, but we ourselves shouldn't be offended if somebody says Happy Holidays. Because really that's not a bad thing. We simply need to remember that the word holiday is derived from Holy Day. So if someone wishes you Happy Holidays, just respond and say, Happy Holy Day to you as well. And if, the say, if they say season's greeting, simply remind them the true greeting that we should celebrate. In Luke 2, 1 through 14, it says, Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him. And she was pregnant, and while they were there, they came. the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn, And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. The angel's greeting. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the greeting for the season. That's the season's greeting. So there's nothing wrong with season's greetings. You know, and surely it's difficult for us sometimes to to understand how or why God allows unrighteous rulers to have power. If you remember when we looked at the book of Daniel, Daniel 2, 20 and 21 says, May the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. It is He who changes the times and the periods. He removes kings and appoints kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to people of understanding. God allowed... Caesar Augustus to be in power, and God used that decree that he gave for not necessarily holy purposes, but he used that decree to help to fulfill some of the over 300 messianic promises that Jesus fulfilled through his birth, his life, his death, and resurrection. In Isaiah 55, 8 through 11, God says, 
My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it produce and sprout, and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word which goes forth out of my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the purpose for which I sent it. So can we trust God's sovereignty in spite of the leaders that we might see in the world today? Can we trust his sovereignty over even the worst of them? Can we trust that he will do what his word says either through them or in spite of them? You know, there's many people today who are offended by a baby born in a manger. They fight against the message and the meaning of Christmas. They fight against it in our schools and in our public places and in our government. They're offended by the baby born to redeem the world from sin. How much more will they be offended by his return as Lord of lords and King of kings and as righteous judge? You know, surely in this season that we're in, it's good to look back and remember that baby born in a manger. But the advent that we want to truly celebrate and portray to the world is not the Christ who came 2,000 years ago, but rather the one who's coming. In 2 Peter 3, 13-14, it says, Know this, First of all, in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of this coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue just as they were from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water by water, through which the world at this time was destroyed by being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly people. But do not let this one fact escape you. Beloved, that, the, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, to, as some count slowness, but He's patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance a new heaven and earth. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be discovered. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people are you to be looking for and hastening the coming day of God? I wonder, can we really hasten the coming day of God. In Matthew 24, when when Jesus describes how things will look in the days before he returns, it really aligns pretty much with a lot of the things that we're seeing in in the world right now. But keep in mind that the early writers of the Gospels and and the epistles, the letters, they also thought that Christ was going to return in their time. In Matthew 24, 36, Jesus says, But about that day or hour, 
No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. So we can't know, no matter how much prophecy we study, no matter how much we try to interpret what it says, no matter how many books we read by the biblical scholars of the prophets, we really can't know when Jesus will return. And if we cannot know, then we really shouldn't concern ourselves with knowing. But one thing is sure, there's, there's very little left that must happen before Jesus does return. So we should live and be prepared. Consider this. If we can hasten the coming day of God, could it be that because God is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance, that there are some who will come to repentance today? Could it be that maybe there's one or two that will come to repentance because as you go out into the world this week and shine the light of Christ and give glory to the Father in heaven, because of that light, perhaps one or two will come to repentance and hasten the day of Jesus' coming. You know, Jesus taught us to pray saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I've said it before, but even more in this season, as residents of and vessels of the kingdom of heaven, as those who Jesus said have the kingdom of God within us, we should be those who bring the light and the love of the kingdom into the situations and circumstances of earth. We should be those who are a part of the answer to that prayer. You see, it's important for us to remember that that first advent 2,000 years ago was the beginning of the kingdom of heaven on earth. When Jesus came, he initiated the period of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that's the time we're in right now. We are in the time of the kingdom of heaven on earth. The coming second advent is not the end, but rather it's the beginning of the new heaven and the new earth when God himself will dwell with us. So in closing, in this Christmas season, I do encourage you to look back and to celebrate and worship the baby in a manger. Oh, come, let us adore him. But remember why he came, not just to live, but to die for our sins. Even though more in this Advent season, I encourage you not to look back, but to look forward, not at the coming of a baby in a manger, but to the coming in the clouds of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the righteous judge. Revelation twenty-two twelve to 21 says, Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to reward each one of his work as each one of his work deserves. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, the sexually immoral persons, the murderers, the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you of these things to the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires to take water of life without cost. 
He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. May your season's greetings be in the name of the Lord. Shining the light of Christ this season, may we live to hasten the coming day of the Lord. Amen. Merry Christmas. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We're glad that what the Lord is doing among us encourages you. For more info about the church, follow us on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram. Visit dwellatthewell.com or come out and see us on a Sunday morning, 228 Ridge Avenue, Southerton, Pennsylvania. Of my